Hello and welcome to the Art Engager podcast with me, Claire Bowne. I'm here to share techniques and tools to help you engage with your audience and bring art, objects and ideas to life. So let's dive into this week's show. Hello and welcome back to the Art Engager podcast. I'm your host, Claire Bowne of Thinking Museum, and this is episode 69. So today I'm talking about what you can discover when you pay attention to body language and how reading these signals can help you to build engagement and connection. But before that, last week I was talking to Marina Gross-Hoy about her work. We explored what it means to look at life like a work of art, using what Marina calls the museum gaze. We discussed the numerous benefits that we can all glean from a regular practice at looking in life in this way. Now, as always, if you'd like to support the show, you can do so. You can treat me to a cup of tea on buymeacoffee.com forward slash Claire Bowne. I'll put a link in the show notes. And the show notes, they're available on my website, thinkingmuseum.com forward slash podcast. And this is episode 69. So now let's get on with today's show. So let's start by exploring what body language is and why it matters. So body language is defined as the conscious and unconscious movements and postures by which attitudes and feelings are communicated. So when we talk about body language, we're talking about a wide range of human expression, things like posture, eye contact, use of space, voice, gesture, and so on. And these are all signals that communicate with us non-verbally. These are wordless signals that can be indicators of engagement. These signals are quite often done instinctively rather than consciously too. Now, being both aware of and able to read these signals helps us to create connections and build rapport with our groups and thus to create engagement. So during this episode, think about what signals you are sending to your group through your body language. Are you putting people at ease, building trust and connecting people to you by the way that you're communicating non-verbally? Or does your body language undermine what you're saying or doing in the museum? And also, how can you use what I'm talking about here to better read your group and build more engagement? So by improving how you understand and use body language, it can really help you to connect better with others. So being able to understand, being able to use body language will help you to see how engaged your group is, whether they're enjoying the program, whether they're following along, or even whether they're listening. And all of this is so important for engagement. So it can help you to perhaps understand how participants might be feeling relative to what they're saying or not saying. And it can help us to meet people better where they are. It allows us to adjust in real time so we can address any issues or concerns. 
and it can help us to capitalize on things that are going well and do more of them and to change course if things aren't going so well. So the more we know about what our group might be feeling, the better we can personalize experiences to what that group needs at that moment. So we should be training ourselves to be better observers of not just objects and artworks, but also of people, our participants. Without observing our groups, we miss seeing the bigger picture and we might be missing out on building rapport, relating to them, or perhaps even assuming something that isn't true, such as this is going really well, when in actual fact it isn't. So nonverbal communication, body language, is extremely important in the work that we do because it creates impressions amongst your participants. And as it says in the book, Listen Like You Mean It, learning to read these signals or indicators can build our emotional intelligence and in turn, our capacity to listen and respond with empathy. So it's so, so important. But before we start, a word of warning. Try not to make any assumptions about body language. Try to see it as a possible indicator or a signal rather than a given. Now, body language can have many meanings across cultures. For example, your arms crossed in front of your chest may suggest that you're fed up or defensive, but it could just be a comfy way to hold your arms when you're standing up. I know I do this. So a given behavior doesn't always mean one thing. Body language is complex and can depend on context too. So look at body language in combination with what people are saying and what they're doing, as it's usually they're saying the same thing. And there's a lot of information we can get from body language, but we need to be cautious about making assumptions or jumping to conclusions that might confirm any preconceptions we have. So let's dive into some body language areas and see what insights they might tell us. So we'll start with the face and eyes. So our faces can be very expressive at showing what we're thinking, but some of us are perhaps easier to read than others. We might be showing micro expressions, so a quick smile, a raised eyebrow or a small frown, and all of these can be telling. Some people will wear all their emotions on their face. I'm guilty of that. Others will be much harder to read. And it's widely agreed that facial expressions of emotions are universal. So, for example, you'll recognise the main types of emotion, happy, sad, angry, in someone else's face. But eye contact, that's a funny one, isn't it? So making eye contact with someone can mean you're engaged in what's happening, that you're curious and you're open. But beware of too much eye contact as everyone has their own personal limits of how much is too much. A lack of eye contact could mean that someone's disengaged or even distracted by what's around them. It's very natural not to have eye contact all the time, but if someone is avoiding it, it could indicate that you need to do more work to engage and connect with them. 
So let's move on to body. And in particular, let's look at hands. Pay attention to what hands are doing when you're scanning your group. Busy or fidgeting hands may indicate feeling uncomfortable or that someone's thinking about something else. Now, they could be a tick, they could be a habit, but do what Himena Fengolchia says, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, in Listen Like You Mean It. She says, look for predictable patterns when discussing a particular topic or a particular scenario. And it could also be that the fidgeting hands or busy hands, also depending on who people are with. So, There may be other signs of feeling uncomfortable that come from the hands, so maybe twirling hair or reaching for the neck or playing with a necklace. And if you see some of these signs, you might want to think about doing a pair share or using small groups until the groups start to feel more comfortable sharing. It's definitely better to be cautious than just to forge ahead regardless. So this careful and consistent observation will give you information and this information will help you to navigate your group. Okay, let's move on to mirroring. Now, this is also called limbic synchrony, but mirroring is definitely easier to say. So mirroring is something we do with people we like or people we're interested in. We copy their body language, their speech, their facial expressions and more. And it sends a signal that we're connected to that person in some ways. And actually mirroring is pretty much a subconscious process. So the next time you're out and about in the museum or in the wider world, observe and notice people. Who's mimicking who? Look at people talking. Are their gestures and postures similar? Can you figure out who's mirroring who? So turn this into a game and watch and observe and you'll see that a lot more of this goes on than we realise. So we can build rapport, that's trust and understanding, through body language, facial expressions and gestures. And when there is mirroring, we know that there is rapport in the group. So the next time you're with a group, Try to notice whether anyone is mirroring others. And this gives you an indication of how much rapport is around. It might mean that you need to work a bit bit harder, perhaps, to build connections in the group if you don't see anyone mirroring. Secondly, you can use mirroring consciously. You can use it to create rapport. So when you mirror others, you create this empathetic bond that signals a connection. So when someone's talking in your group, notice how the other person is and meet them there. Get into physical rapport with them. Stand as they are standing and match your voice tone as you reply to them. You can also maintain eye contact and share gestures. So moving on to posture, posture is about how we hold our bodies and it can relay info about how someone is feeling as well as possible hints about their personality. So scan your group and notice how they are standing. Are they facing you? Is their stance open and upright? Or are they perhaps slouching? 
Now, slouching doesn't mean automatically that people are disengaged, but it could mean that they are uncomfortable. So perhaps there's been a lot of standing so far on your programme. Maybe you could look for an opportunity to sit down or change the way you work from a large group to a small group. And this will give the group an opportunity for a variety of postures. What about whether anyone's leaning in or inching towards you? These might be signs of engagement and that this person is actively enjoying your company. So do look out for that. And also observe how much space a person is taking up in the room. So I don't know if you remember Amy Cuddy's famous TED talk, the one that included the power pose. And this is the pose that I've done lots of times when I want to feel calm and in control before a big event. And these types of open body positions help you to take up space and send signals to the brain that you're feeling confident. And they also signal to your group that you're in control too. So try and adopt an open posture. Finally, physical contact. So this is when you use proxemics and proxemics is the study of the human use of space, how we use space and how differences in that use can make us feel relaxed or anxious. So people adjust their physical distance from one another according to the degree of attraction or tension that they feel. So obviously friends stand closer than strangers and when you like someone you're inclined to approach that person more closely. So in a group you will want to watch the ways that participants stand and position themselves Watch for not only where people choose to stand and how close they sit to one another, but also notice the body positioning and any other signals. This could give you an indication of whether your group are engaged and whether they are connected or they have rapport. So a final thought, be aware that your observations and perceptions can lead you astray and that your emotions might come into play here too. Always think of a variety of possible reasons why people might be behaving in this way. So as I always say, people can be bringing all sorts of emotional states into the museum with them, and it's not necessarily as a result of what you're doing. So do keep an eye out for positive signals and focus on those as well. And bear in mind that, like lots of things, body language is not an exact science. The key thing here is to pay close attention and notice what is going on and to be open to a variety of possible reasons. So there you are. All about using body language to create engagement and connections with your groups. Now, before I go, don't forget our Facebook group, Slow Looking Club. You can look for it under groups on Facebook or I've put a link in the show notes. Do let me know what tips you've learned today and what signs you look for in body language. You can find me on Instagram at Thinking Museum. Thank you for listening today. I'll see you next time. Bye.
Thank you for listening to the Art Engager podcast with me, Claire Bowne. You can find more art engagement resources by visiting my website, thinkingmuseum.com. And you can also find me on Instagram, at Thinking Museum, where I regularly share tips and tools on how to bring art to life and engage your audience. If you've enjoyed this episode, please share with others and subscribe to the show on your podcast player of choice. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next time.